Blog Talk Radio. Anyone charged with a criminal matter has the right to have their case heard before. A judge or judicial officer of the court is entitled to a fair and public hearing by a competent, independent and impartial court. Have strict court rules enforced such as the right of reply, rules of evidence, and be found innocent or guilty beyond reasonable doubt. Yet, our most vulnerable can have their rights, assets, and decision-making rights removed by a public servant of the state, not a judge, in a tribunal setting that can ignore evidence and facts and determine matters as they see fit and conclude matters based on probabilities alone. Are you scared yet? Good evening, everyone, and welcome this wonderful Friday evening. It is Saturday morning, 11.30 a.m. in Australia, and we are so excited to hopefully be getting uh, Matilda Bowden on. We, I was notified a few hours ago they are experiencing some severe weather over there, and Internet is going uh, in and out, and they are hoping that they're going to get through. So everyone put some good words out there that we are going to be able to hook up with Australia. Let me give the number again here to call in, 917-388-4520, and make sure you press 1 so that I can see the phone number and put you through. So I pretty much know what we were going to talk about, and so until hopefully Matilda can get through, let's talk about what she's been telling me. I am just so grateful to the work that Marty did and has allowed me to continue the work and to have the relationship with all the people in Australia that Marty started that relationship. They are so wonderful, and it's just it's just crazy. It's pretty much the same sort of thing that we're seeing in the United States. And what's going on is uh, there's an article on my Facebook page there is a disabled person there in Australia, and there's different, they call it the NDIS, and they pay for housings and different accommodations for people that are, basically it would be like in the United States, Social Security and, and someone with, you know, a special needs. So anyway, this person was living in a home by themselves, and because they're having a housing shortage, which we're seeing a little bit of that here in the United States, they told her that she was going to have to have other people living in her home because she was receiving benefits. Imagine if that happened here in the United States, that if you received any benefits, you had to let people live in your home. As has been reported previously by Lisa Caruso, We had Maurice on the show do know that that did happen in Michigan. And the sad situation is on the surface when you hear like, wow, people should be sharing their home. They should be letting them come in. They're getting benefits. More people should be able to live in this home. But who are the people who they want to put in these homes? And let's reveal that. The people that they want to put in these homes with people who have physical disabilities are felons and sexual predators. And they put them in these homes 
with people with special needs. We've seen it in the United States, we've reported on it, and now we're seeing some of that going on in Australia. And the one gal is fighting it. She said, you know, no, we're not going to be going through something like that. We're not, I'm not going to live with anybody. And so they have her stuck in a hospital right now and not releasing her and basically evicted her out of her home. So that was some of the stuff that Matilda was going to be reporting on. And um, let me see if we're seeing, hearing from her. I am concerned that their internet is down. So we'll go for a little bit, and then we might have to reschedule if we don't get Matilda back on. So if anyone wants to call in and, and ask a question or talk about another topic, feel free, press 1, until we see that we can get Australia onto the line. I feel, I feel bad that they're not here, but we all can understand it's on the other side of the world, and they are, have, they are having a bad storm right now. So anyway, some of the other stuff that Matilda wanted to talk about and I feel is very relevant because we are seeing it here in the United States is the retaliation guardianship. And that is when you are a strong advocate, someone could file guardianship against you or your loved one in retaliation to shut you up. And that was something that was going to be exposed today. Oh, oh, everyone, we have an international caller. Let's see if we can get them through. Is this Matilda? Matilda, is that you? It might not be Matilda. It's Chris. Chris <laughs> How are you, Cos? I, I, was, uh, I was, Matilda had let me know there was some bad weather, and I wasn't sure if she was going to make it in, but thank you for calling in. I was, I was trying Not to do my best. I, I hope you were, you'll be able to listen and say that we did great. We have a lot of people on the line, so I'm so, sad, I'm so glad that you got through because there are a lot of people who Not are waiting for this update from Australia. And I know that I was messaging with Matilda, and we talked about the article about the gal who basically didn't want to share her home with other people mm. and in the United States when that was done and we did have Lisa Caruso and Maurice on the line talking about that the people who they want to share homes with are are usually like felons and sexual predators and I don't know that people realize that and I'm guessing that's the same thing over there in Australia and that's why we don't want to be sharing homes if we have homes that are being provided and there's government agencies and and i mean we pay taxes all of us in these countries we pay taxes to take care of the less the disadvantaged people in our community and we want to pay taxes to help those people out and we do not want these people to have felons and sexual predators in their homes just because they are disadvantaged is that what you're seeing in australia from that article we're, look, we're seeing, we have a really serious, well, look, when we first started, when we first connected with Marty, the NDIS, we have a national insurance scheme, disability insurance scheme now that's been, that has been rolled out throughout Australia. And uh, from the age of seven to 65, anyone who is disabled can tap in or a family or a care or the individual can um, request assistance from the federal government. 
So that really puts a target on, you know, vulnerable people's backs. So where there's money and there are vulnerable people, there are predators. Now, as we know in guardianship in Australia, over the age of 18, an individual becomes, can be easy, well, becomes under the law, a separate individual, and they become targeted often by the state, the public trustees, the guardians. Um, under the age of 18, you have a situation where, fortunately, it's a federal issue and these matters can be dealt with in the family court unless there's the children's court, which is a state court. Now, what's happened in Australia, this package, this really big package, so you have, let's, 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 let's assume I, had a, I have a disabled son or daughter and I need some assistance with cleaning, with house, with uh, carers coming in, respite, um, a little bit of assistance. I can apply and um, there'll be an assessment and doctors and occupational therapists will, will come in, prepare reports. And I'll say, Chris, you know, we're, we're granting, you know, your, your child, say, $100,000 a year to assist you look after your, your son or your daughter. And that sounds all good and lovely, but that's placed a target. So what we have now is once our elderly child, and my, my, say my child's living with me, turns 18, we are now seeing public guardians applying for guardianship and removing that individual, okay, your child, into these, these accommodation, living with other people. Now, no one is vetting who they're living with. Uh, the providers, okay, remove the family. The family completely removed. Their, and often what we're seeing now, and we've, we've got quite a few cases at the moment, once the child or the young adult is removed, the family are even denied access to the new, I call it facility, but the new home. And these packages may start off with $50,000, end up to $1.2 million. We've got a case at the moment, $150,000 package is now $1.2 million. Who is getting wow. that money? Okay, the yeah. providers. The, the individuals isolated, they have effectively, the money is used to employ support staff that really are guards. No one can go near that individual. No one can go near that home. Okay. And they are locked away. They're treated like they're a prisoner. They're a prisoner in their up because of their disability. But they're generating money. Now, why would the state do this? And that's the million-dollar question. Well, simply, vulnerable people access hospitals. Vulnerable people access um, medical care. Uh, vulnerable people access justice and uh, education and all of that. When you lock them away in a room, away from everyone. They don't tap into the state services, so the state saves money. And the federal government is funding that. Now, why would the federal government allow this? Right? Why would that happen? Well, think about it. You have these, often, and we're seeing a pattern, we're seeing non-verbal, autistic, disabled people being targeted, particularly, and they're often young, but they have a long lifespan. What's going on behind closed doors? Who's looking after them? Who Are they being neglected? Are they being mis mistreated? Do they die an early death? Who gains when they pass? Somebody that could live from cradle to the grave on assistance could cost the government, federal and state, millions of dollars. But if they die early, 
Who gains? The government gains. I know it sounds horrible. I call it soft eugenics. We saw one case, then we saw another case, then we saw another case. I have seen hundreds of cases now and the pattern is the same. There's a disability fund, there's a little budget there. They target the insurance. They whisk them away, these vulnerable people, into homes into these, you know, locking them away or they leave them in hospital if they don't get access to the, to, the, to the money and then they isolate them and they often die an early death. And yes, yeah. they are living. Who are they living with? Are they living with predators? Well, you won't know because once your young, your, your child who's over the age of 18 uh, turns 18, the government and the public guardian assert their name, assert their identity, take over, and they'll tell the parents, it's none of your business. We are the guardians and we can do what we want. We have a lady at the moment, she won her court case in a state. I was there, so were the public guardians, so were the public trustees. She won in the Supreme Court. Do you know that she's now back in the tribunal to reassess that order? That's how it works. You never escape. You don't win in the Supreme Court. You can win, but the Supreme Court will take it back under the law. It's not the Supreme Court's fault. It's not the judge's fault. Okay? The law is written up in such a way that these matters are then deflected back to the tribunal, the same tribunal that the parents are trying to escape from. This is how vicious this system is. So we have two problems here, and I say this all the time. We have prisoners and we have, you know, violent people walking the streets in this country, released, because they're a cost to the system, and we have our elderly and our disabled locked away. That's what's actually happening in Australia. Elderly people with assets will be locked away in age, we call them aged care facilities, hospice, we call them aged care facilities um, here. If they don't have money, we see them locked away in hospitals and often we've seen the case where they've they've just denied fluid and and food and sustenance and they die. The disabled, if they have a package, they're put away in what's called supported independent living. It sounds really nice and warm and fuzzy and lovey. It's nothing. Mm-hmm. It's a house. It's a, and I call this scheme a real estate and employment scheme. The only two people that benefit from this scheme is if the individual or the carers don't have control of the, of the funding are real estate agents and real estate owners and landlords, the state government and those employed to guard these people. So one of the packages that went from $150,000 to $1.2 million, let me break it up, 90% went towards funding the employment of people to guard, it's called support works, to guard these people. You cannot visit your loved one. You cannot. We've had people knock on the door and say, I'd like to see my son. They say, go away. Okay? They effectively are prisoners. They are prisoners of this scheme. The scheme was designed to support, to encourage choice and control. It's anything. But no one's talking about it. The main organizations that are out there that are funded see i'm very suspicious as you know cause of funded organizations we're not funded so we can speak the truth but anyone that's funded okay it it concerns me because they say part of the story 
but they might say one story, but they're not exposing how serious this issue is. And I receive, I would say, five to six emails every week from people all over the country who who visit our website and say, this is happening to me. And it's the same modus operandi. One, they target an individual who has a package. Two, they remove their rights, often from the tribunal or physically isolate. And three, they isolate that person and they drug them. And it's no different to what they're doing to the elderly. But the difference here, often these individuals have no assets, so they need to house them somewhere because they're fairly young and robust in many cases. So they may be deaf or they may, they may be autistic or um, intellectually impaired, but it's the same it's the same plan and they target the budget the budget and then they increase the budget they need more funding so they make that vulnerable person more dependent more disabled to access more funding i have not seen a budget decrease i always see it increasing always and the other concerning thing that we're seeing as well is vulnerable people are on their own in these these homes um and what they're doing is um, they're leaving them alone, even though they're tapping into funding. So they will, they will, the, the provider will um, invoice the uh, budget and say, oh, we've got one-on-one -on -one funding. So someone's there always 24-7 caring for that person. But in fact, they're alone, but they're tapping into the funding. That's fraud. In any other world, there'd be an investigation for fraud. Not here. And you have to ask yourself, who's winning here? And... Look, I don't think this is going to change anytime soon. It's, um, it's a violent system. Advocates who speak out are, are targeted, as you know, they're smeared or they're criticised or we're called crazy or whatever. It's, it's happening. I've, I've said to anyone, if, if I'm lying, you know, throw me into court. But, you know, I'm not. The truth is the truth. It's happening. It's real. And, and we're seeing more and more... I, I, I call it a soft eugenics program. I often feel Australia is is the is the country where they test these things out to see how far they can go. Um, there's just no rights. I mean, I, I I just wonder. I see people now fleeing. Now we've had, as you know, a few people move to the United States. We've had people go back to Europe. I don't blame them. It's a prison island, really. If you're vulnerable, if you're elderly or you're vulnerable in Australia, you can be easily targeted by a system that has ineffectively put a target on your back to get you. And it's, it sounds grave. It sounds... I mean, look, there are articles coming out. We've had an article... I think I passed that on to you the other day. A gentleman, an autistic yeah. man, was starved to death in the hospital. I mean, people should be up in arms. People should be protesting in the street about this. Yeah. He was starved Absolutely. to death in a hospital. What was his crime? Why was he starved to death? Why was he neglected? Why hasn't yeah. anyone been charged? Where's the police? Where is... I mean, it's not the police's fault. I've, I've got a grant on that. Where are the authorities, our politicians, to say, hey, everyone knows this is happening and no one's doing anything about it. Now... With Matt, she'll tell you if if she calls in. I know she's had problems now. I We've think, got real I, issues here I think I at the moment. Her, I, real quick, I think I have her on. Matilda, is oh, that great. you? <laughs> oh, hi. Oh, how are you? We Matt. got you on. 
We, oh, thank you, we, we were messaging while you were talking so that we could oh, figure darling. out how to get her on. I'm glad you're okay. You know what? You're on. Uh, I, I've, I've been trying two different versions of Skype. I've got the laptop, two mobile phones, and we cannot get through. And yet, apparently, we landed on the moon with audio-visual signal in 1969. <laughs> Call me a conspiracy theorist, but seriously, this is impossible. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, but it's good to have you. Well, thank we're... you. Thank you. Thank you for, for being persistent and getting through. And, Chris, thank you so much for coming on and helping out. Um, why don't we – I'm going to let you finish up, Chris, and then let's have Matilda tell us about this retaliation that's been happening. Go ahead, Chris, because you well, were just finishing well, up just, with that. Just, yeah, just finishing up with, with, yeah, just finishing up with mine. It's, it's, it's NDIS, and Matt will tell you, Matt's the expert on NDIS, how they're targeting vulnerable people. And, and, and then they just put them in these facilities, and you never see them again. And this is happening under the – the guise of uh, protecting the vulnerable from carers and family. But, in fact, they're just making money, and they're making a lot of money. So I look at NDIS um, the way that it's going. It's really just a real estate and employment scheme for those that are really working for the state. Yeah. And that's really, really, really what it is. And, and, and Matt will agree with me because she's seen it firsthand. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, the, the, well, the NDIS scheme is now literally working hand in glove with the state. Awful. Tell us about. I had heard something about they were they're doing retaliation guardianship for those who speak out, and I thought we because we've had some examples of that here in the United States too. But you have the, you just experienced this firsthand, is my understanding. Well. Um, Yes, I have, but unfortunately my client has experienced it uh, far more directly um, because uh, a colleague of mine who has been servicing him under the NDIS, um, the National Disability and uh, Community Services um, um, Agency, um, has been servicing my client absolutely brilliantly, um, but obviously in the process of, I guess, uh, advocating, uh, if you want to use that word, for our client to have the services that he needs and, you know, in, consistent with the rights that he is entitled mm -hmm. to receive. Um, yeah. What they've tried to do is uh, he's an inconvenience to them. In, in a similar fashion um, as um, many people who have high support needs, uh, they, in a sense, kind of cost the government and the taxpayer money. Uh, and in the process of allegedly trying to reduce their cost, but the truth of the matter is they're happy to increase the cost if the state benefits or profits from it. Um, they've tried to coerce him into living in a situation that is absolutely not, um, not in his interest. Um, they want to institutionalise him in a supported accommodation facility, whether that be some kind of... Um, still um, disability accommodation service, um, medium-term accommodation, that type of stuff. Uh, they all end up being little mini institutions and um, the landlords get paid anywhere between $35,000 a year to, believe it or not, $207,000 a year is what's being asked. Now, not all of it is necessarily funded by the NDIS, but a huge portion of that goes to landlords. 
And so they need meat in the market. They need bodies in these houses, uh, many of which mm-hmm. are actually sitting dormant at the moment. Um, and I think I mentioned in, in one of my previous podcasts with you, um, there's this thing called the Social Impact Bond. And they're only, it's still early days. They're only just rolling it out now. But they're coercing people into uh, group accommodation to allegedly share the costs of their NDIS package. Now, the NDIS promises, the promise of the NDIS in the first instance was that you would get to live a quality life in a home of your choosing, not in a group facility or in a mini institution. But this is effectively what they're doing. They're forcing people to share their resources. That was never the promise of the NDIS. Um, there was an article written, if yeah. anybody wants to go to abc.net.au, there's an article that just came out in the last maybe day or so uh, titled Para-Athlete Living in a Hospital After Being Forced from the NDIS-Funded Home. Now, our client, um, he ended up living in a hospital for two years. Now, after two years, that was a bit of a problem. It was an inconvenience. Uh, so what they tried to do was they didn't want to have to deal with myself and his other service provider who has faithfully serviced him and often worked for free long periods of time he would get free services from uh, this young lady and um, the hospital didn't want to have to deal with us because of course we were strong voices for for the client Mm -hmm. Um, so in the process of shoving us aside they decided to surreptitiously attempt to have him guardianship sending a neuropsych to his bedside Uh, to have a little chat with him. Fortunately, my client had the presence of mind to ring me so I could talk to the neuropsych and I asked, you know, what was she there for? And she said, oh, she's there to do a capacity assessment. And I said, well, what is the evidence? What is the evidence that he lacked capacity? And she couldn't tell me. She said, I don't know. And it was the hospital administration. The hospital administration, as it turned out later, it took me a while to find out. It took quite a while to find out. But it was the hospital administration that issued the directive for the neuropsych to come to his bed to have him guardianship, all because they didn't want to spend five or ten minutes talking to myself or, or his other service provider. They didn't want to talk That's to us crazy. at all. Yep, it's That's a scene. Crazy. It's utterly a scene. Oh and my. there's nothing wrong it's with this gentleman. Mentally, mentally, he is as cognitively sane and stable as you and I are. I mean, of course, you know, we, we do deal with difficult people at times. You know, and, you know, you could have a bad day or whatever, but this person is definitely not cognitively impaired. Wow. Not by a long shot. And also, uh, what their evidence of alleged cognitive impairment is that he's choosing to live on his own and not share a house, which is exactly the same story as uh, this ABC article about the para-athlete yeah. living in a hospital. Exactly the same scenario. He, She doesn't want to share with other people. She wants to live in her own home, where the lease or the rent or the property is in her own name, not by an agency. Now, as um, uh, Chris right. would have told you, you know, people can be severed from contact through, believe it or not, landlords, a landlord or, or an agency that operates a, a facility could veto a person in this facility from having contact with their brother, sister, mother, father, a visitor. And this happens frequently. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing more mm-hmm. and more and more mm-hmm. of these cases. They play the They play one with the other. 
That's what they Absolutely. do. So the guardian, the guardian will deny access, and when the pressure gets too difficult, they blame the NDIS provider. The NDIS provider then blames the the public guardian, and then trespass laws are used to deny access. So they've got three That's angles. They they just go round and round. We have a client two years trying to see her son at the moment, and we're in we're in NCAT oh. at the moment. Two years to see her to see her son, and the guardian is blaming the provider. The provider, a large company, is blaming um, is blaming uh, the guardian. The tribunal is sitting there. And this is what the tribunal does. Now the tribunal is very cunning. If a decision is not made then their argument is, well, we can't say anything to the public guardian because a decision hasn't been made. But under the ADR rules, the administrative rules, a no decision or lack of a decision is a decision. But they don't That's tell right. the family that. That's right. See, That's it's all these games they play. Uh-huh. They well, we're, we're in... not knowing the laws. You know, Hold on. The average person... Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, Cos. We're in a situation with um, the gentleman that uh, I was referring to who um, they tried to secretly guardianship against his will, against his knowledge, against his wishes. Um, Fortunately, we managed to avert that disaster for the time being. Um, But recently we did what they call a Section 100 review where you can appeal internally uh, if a package doesn't meet their needs. Now, what they did with this, uh, talking about retaliation guardianship, um, what they did was they made his entire plan agency managed, which means he can't use my services, he can't use the services of other independent providers. Uh, and what yep. that means is if you rock the boat too much, you're going to be deregistered in a microsecond, right? So they, they make sure that they've got complete ownership over this gentleman or any other participant that is agency managed. Now, there's no reason for him to be agency managed. Uh, and he, again, he is completely mentally, cognitively um, sane and rational and capable of deciding which service providers he wants to be servicing them. But the agency, by being agency managed, they decide how he can spend that money and which service providers he can use. And that means he cannot use my services. Yeah. There is a backdoor method by which if I really, really wanted to, uh, I could still potentially service him and that, they would probably argue, well, you could just, you know, um, get subcontracted to a, a registered provider. However, that doesn't guarantee that I'll get paid. And I've not been paid for probably far over $10,000 previously with agency managed clients and I'm not the only one there are many 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 service providers out there registered and unregistered that don't get paid by the NDIS uh, by the NDIA um, when it suits them or when the person is an inconvenience and they don't want to have to deal with that individual so they just cut off payments so I, I could be working for three four five six months for someone and not get paid in the end so, so in the end they could drop they control everything. Sadly, our clients, our most vulnerable clients, are held hostage. Yes. I, I got a message. I just got a message from a listener that who's listening right now, and they wanted me to make sure that everyone knows this is like the Netflix movie. And I don't know if you guys probably have Netflix over there in Australia. Yes. Yes, we do. It's called 
It's called Take Care of Maya. It is. Oh, it's brilliant. Have you all seen that? It's not yes, even yes, making. Brilliant. It's not even making national media here in the United States. Like you really have to look for it. There's articles. This should be a national crisis. What happened to that family and at the hands of Child Protective Services? And yes. it's definitely needs to. People need to be aware of it. I think most people think it's Hollywood or, you know, no, something crazy. No, and they don't realize, like, yeah, our government is doing this. And that is absolutely, you know, everyone, check that movie out. Well, and, oh, my God. The thing about that situation, Cos, uh, the thing about uh, Maya's situation uh, and compared yeah. to our experience here in Australia, and Chris, you could correct me if I'm wrong, um, because I, I can't compare it to other states. But in my experience with child protection services, especially um, Australia, is that at least nonetheless, Maya somehow over time, over many years, managed to get in front of a court, managed to get vindication, managed to get compensation. She had a jury. She had a court case. She had her day in court, got heard. That happened. Here in South Australia, it never happens. You will never, never, never get a social worker or the department condemned for their misconduct or misbehaviour. There is no method by which that can even be achieved here in South Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, lawyers, judges, um, you know, QCs, or, or what they are now, KCs, um, don't want to deal with these cases. They won't hear them. They won't entertain no. them. Mm-hmm. You can get a, a mm-hmm. half-hour appointment with someone to tell your story of a child being you know, falsely or maliciously removed from your care. It wouldn't happen. Now, in, incidentally, in America, yeah. from what I can see, from all I can gather albeit it may be rare, social workers actually get imprisoned. Here in Australia, I don't know of one social worker that's ever been imprisoned for their misconduct in a child protection case, unless, of course, we're talking about really severe you know, sexual abuse, which might take years to uncover. But that would be the rarity. But if you, if you just yes, are yes. malicious or malevolent, it doesn't happen. I, I, yeah. I strongly recommend people watch Miss... Miss Chatter, I think it's Miss Chatterjee yes. versus Norway. That's Australia. Yes, I've seen that one. That's Australia. Yeah, that's yes. that's exactly how. Um, once you're targeted in this country, once someone has been targeted, you have the full force of social workers, doctors, law, and and there are decent lawyers that know what's going on, but they're too scared to challenge the system. We have at the moment a lady, another lady fighting for her son in another state and no occupational, all she needs is an occupational therapist to write a report highlighting the dangers of her son being removed from her care, okay, Mm -hmm. her 25-year-old son being removed from her care and all she needs is an occupational therapist to go in there and to assess the accommodation. No one will take it on. It's not that they don't want to help her. They know that they will be blacklisted. They know that there'll be no work. I mean, basically, they control everything. Bill Shorten recently announced changes to the NDIS in Australia, and he wants all providers registered. It sounds great, okay? No, it's not. It's about control. Unregistered providers, okay, your choice. You may, may decide that you trust someone who's unregistered to support you and they're doing a great job but they're not going to dob you into the system they're not going they're not a spy they're not going to report anything or a little these listed providers have become effective effectively working 
for their boss, who in, in turn, okay, work you know, or report to the state. All roads lead upwards. And this is what's actually happening. Why do they need to be registered? We're seeing registered providers, large corporations, kidnapping and abusing vulnerable people. They are actually kidnapping them. And the new trick that they're oh. doing is they're, once they've effectively have those, the support workers acting as guards and locking them away in these supported independent living accommodations, which no one can get access to, the guardianship drops. They remove the guardianship. Yesterday, one of our members... Wanted to, she wants to see her sister. She is an interested party and there is obviously family conflict. Now, one of the other family members is working with the guardians to keep her away, okay? And it's just bad blood mm -hmm. between, between the family. But, it's, but she has a right to see her sister and her sister wants to see her as well. She yeah. was denied access to the hearing. She wasn't right. a, a invited to wow. the hearing. That's right. They don't invite you to the hearing. I have seen cases where they're not even engaging in a hearing. They don't want you in there. They're just rolling the orders over until further order now. So you're in a perpetual state of you don't even know what's going on. And anyone who speaks out in this country will be targeted. You know, Matt's been targeted. I've been targeted. We've all been targeted in various ways. Mm -hmm. And they do this. Now... Matt will tell you also what happened to her recently with her own mum, okay, mm -hmm. to show you that whether you're mm -hmm. young, whether you're old, there is a network here, a very yes. tight, controlled network. And unfortunately, people, and this is all we can do, what Matt can do and I can do, there is this inherent trust in government, okay? Absolutely. Now, there are some mm -hmm. good people in the system, but if, even if they're good, they're powerless to stop it because... They're yeah, either employed or they will, they will lose their licences to practice, whether they're lawyers, whether they're right. um, doctors, whether they're social workers. And there are really good social workers too. Matt's a social worker. I'm an accountant. There are, an, there are accountants that's, that are seeing this abuse, but everyone is too scared to speak up. The only well, ones that are speaking up are often funded by government. That's right. Um, just in keeping yeah. with what you're saying, um, the gentleman that I was referring to earlier who nearly, you know, surreptitiously had guardianship orders tried on him, um, yeah. he has a social worker. I won't, I won't give details about, uh, she, she'd be very vulnerable, but she works in the system. And she was banned. She was told specifically that she mustn't talk to me or the other service provider working for the client. It wasn't until he got out of hospital that she then discreetly informed us that that was the order given to her. She was not to communicate. Wow. Now, I couldn't now. I was sending her emails and phone calls and text messages. She responded to none of them. Now, collegially, we would have an obligation, a professional obligation for continuity of services to be talking to each other. If you were a service provider, uh, cause, you know, I would expect you to talk to me. I'd be talking to you and with the client. But she was banned from communicating with me because she was sympathetic. Right, she was sympathetic, and she agreed that there was there should have never been an attempt to guardianship this gentleman. And she said, "All you have to do is talk to the service providers." And she was banned from talking to us thereafter. Now, I mean, she has nonetheless at least divulged that much to us. But this is how malevolent the system has become, and um, the hospitals 
no matter where you are. Now, I believe that this is across Australia, not just in South Australia, because I'm hearing it from uh, doctors, GPs, interstate. Uh, once you are in the hospital system, they literally own you body and soul. They own everything about you. Uh, any enduring um, powers of attorney, any advanced care directives mean nothing. You, you might as well tear them up. Uh, so when my mum ended up in hospital some yeah. weeks back, it was an attempt to guardianship her too, sur- surreptitiously, secretly, without anyone's knowledge or consent. Now, um, my brother and I, we are equal enduring powers of attorney. We were both at all times constantly in contact with the hospital while she was being admitted for a very, very serious blood clot in her leg, a a life-threatening blood clot. And um, when time came to be discharged, I rocked up, my sister rocked up, my brother was um, communicating back and forth who was coming to pick her up. And when I came to pick her up, I was denied to do that. Um, But they insisted that I come down as the enduring power of attorney. And I said, well, why do you need me here? Because mum is not mentally incompetent. She has a blood clot in her leg, but it hasn't affected her brain. There's no brain damage. There's no stroke. And literally, without a word of a lie, cause verbatim, I was told, quote, because she doesn't speak English. Now, my mum speaks very broken English. She understands English very well. Okay? You can speak to her in English. She will understand you. She just can't communicate back. Now, What was the evidence of alleged mental or cognitive impairment? That she allegedly didn't know her date of birth. Well, that that wasn't true. She knew her date of birth. She couldn't say it in English, right? So in in Serbian, for example, Um, she would say, but then she she uh realizes, oh, no, this is in Serbian. I'm not speaking English. How do I say it in English? So she frets. And she gets anxious because she hasn't got me by her bedside, you know, uh, when she's being interrogated with these questions. She's got no one to translate for her, no interpreter, no one yeah. that can communicate back and forth. So they, they just say, oh, she doesn't know her date of birth, therefore she's mentally incompetent. So they won't let her self-discharge because she allegedly, you know, well, you know, doesn't speak English. She speaks very broken English and, yes, she can be challenging at times for a fluent English person who doesn't speak another language, maybe to understand. Um, But you would get there. You would get there if you were patient enough. Or if you rang me or or an interpreter and said, hey, look, you know, can you just explain to us what your mum said? Wouldn't be hard. She has coherent conversations with her care. They use use the fact that we pay um, my aged care and we ourselves privately fund her carer who is absolutely brilliant, absolutely wonderful. And she corroborated our story that mum is totally competent, mentally competent at all times when she's at home. And then their attitude is, well, why does she need a care if she's mentally competent? Um, because she's 80 years old and she can't bend down to pick up things off the floor or to wash the bathroom or, you know, her back and shoulders. And I yeah. mean, you know, she's an old who, who raised six kids. I mean, you know, come on, seriously, you know. Right. Um, but allegedly oh the fact that she now has a carer is evidence of alleged mental incompetence you know wow. the world is oh. upside down it is and we have a caller hold on here we have let's see who we got here we have area code 703 you're live and on the air area code 703 um hi class oh um, my goodness marcel reed of the whistleblower summit thank you so much for calling in well, no, um, thank you for continuing to upload uh, Marty's dream. Uh, hey, Chris, and everyone in Australia. Um, 
I really wanted to tell you what a great show this is tonight. Um, I've never been uh, intimately involved in guardianship at that level, but my sister uh, was in a car accident and was paraplegic, and it was such a battle for us to keep my sister in home and take care of her as opposed to the state of California um, trying to come in and take her. And this was just reminiscent of that, especially when I heard you talk about the um, paraplegic that was in the hospital. Um, I, it just brought all those memories back to me. But I, I would just like to say one thing. I think this, the guardianship issue, which I've uh, worked on the fringes of now for a while, I think um, there needs to be some unifying theme, some way that we can say this and everybody pick up the same message. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Like Mm. when you say Apple, everybody thinks of a computer. Yeah. You know, if you say Xerox, everybody thinks of something that's a copier. And I, I wish we had a way that we could say a single whatever it is, and people immediately pull up what guardianship is. Yeah. Yeah. We we need a marketer yeah. to, to figure that out. Yeah, I think yeah. it's really important because, I, you know, I've been home and listening to this and it's, you know, touched my life and I'm not mm-hmm. as deeply involved as you are. But what I'm thinking is this is such a vital message. We had a mayor here in D.C., and all of his income came off of guardianship. And even when people went and tried to stop his mayoral attempt, they still elected him because guardianship wasn't something that they could say that people understood. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the yeah, I, I hope I'm making sense you. You you are. It, I mean, it yeah. should be. It should be so like important. It should be shameful if you're in this industry, because as Marty said, be. we're still we're still waiting for the good guardians to like come forward. Like we want someone to nominate the good guardian, and they haven't come forward. Therefore. It's probably not a good system, and no one wants to be in guardianship. There's never a positive outcome. I mean, guardianship, if you are in the guardianship industry and you, like, meet someone, you know, just out and about and you admit to that, you should look at these people and, like, as scum. I know I Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's absolutely right. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's not honorable work. It's just not honorable work. It's disgusting. It's not honorable work. It's disgusting work. But the reason I think they get around it is we don't have a picture. You know, when I was listening to everything that you were just talking about in Australia, I was thinking, well, there are exact parallels to that here. Like people Mm -hmm. would say, uh, Guarding Mia and, and those other films that have come out over the years yeah. on guardianship. They never get the promotion that they really should should have. I mean, we only talked about it really here when we talked about Britney Spears, you know. And yeah. so 
you know what I'm saying? So it's Britney Spears. You feel sorry for Britney Spears, and everybody tries to come and land on that boat, but it's not big enough. It sucks. So yeah. we, we need some way that we can transmit this message that isn't just dependent on a celebrity because they'll shut the celebrity down and we we don't get the message out. You know, we try to put it on the hill and 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 get a fair amount of blowback from it. But yeah. I don't see other people stepping mm-hmm. up and they take credit for other people's work. There's scammers <laughs> out here who will go in. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Both countries. <laughs> yeah, United States yeah. and Australia. Sure, glory yeah. on. We've got them everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but mm-hmm. We do. <laughs> but I still yeah. Know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And I love doing this, listening. I love doing anything I can do. It reaches me at a very, um, uh, at, at my heart because it pulls at my heartstrings because I remember what happened in my own family and I fear this for myself or anyone in my family today. And you can't, unless you're some kind of zillionaire, protect yourself from this. True. You, very, no, very. No one believes it. Absolutely. They don't believe it. That's the problem. When we... Yeah. Well, that's three years ago. That's right. Last year, they broke the story of state control in in Australia-wide ABC. (laughs) To get that story on air, it took many advocates, not just ASGAR. There were other advocates involved as well, not even associated with ASGAR, but who were on the same page, which kudos to them, great. And Mm -hmm. we all pushed this story to get this out. And it took us, I think, three years to convince the journalists that we weren't crazy, that we weren't tinfoil hat conspiracy theorists thinking, what have you, we're just normal middle-class Aussies Mm -hmm. saying, hey, we've got a problem here and it's Mm -hmm. real and follow the money. I think it took, because no one wants to believe this. No one wants to believe. We want to go to hospital and think, oh, yeah, we'll be looked after. No one wants to believe there's this back system that's assessing you and your worth or cost to the state. And that's what we're dealing with here. Okay? That's what's happening. Yes, yes. And I I think, and it sounds horrible, but it's true. Yeah. It sounds horrible. I just oh, wanted to say this. This was something I told Marty about, and and it happened to her, you know, and uh, toward the end. And that is that my um, my daughter works for one of those big multi uh, multi facility uh, management firms. I, I don't know what to call it, but they handle lots of hospitals, and they do. Mm-hmm. Con- she does contract administration. And she told me something that chilled me, and I'm going to say it now, but we never give the name of the company out that she works for. Do you know that a doctor is an attorney can legally call themselves a doctor because they get a Jewish doctorate degree? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so they can go into a hospital with a doctor, one of the physicians, and identify themselves as a doctor and the and the person that they're considering for guardianship will just speak freely 
because they think it's a medical doctor. Hmm. And um, they come in sometimes and assess them and put them into guardianship because they think it's a doctor. It is a doctor. They're legally allowed to call themselves doctors. So I told Marty, always ask if you see a new face in your room, what yeah. type of doctor are you? Yeah. She said she did that, and the person left the room. <laughs> wow. The wisdom so, of Marty lives on. Wow. Always ask when you see this and they're moving in on your loved one and you know, you're emotional. Yeah. You don't know what to do. And everybody's okay. yeah. and, and it's, it's, true. Yeah. it's true. Literally it's with true. my mom. Well in Australia with... a lawyer can do it. A lawyer That's can do it saying. here. A lawyer can assess capacity here. This is I had a recent discussion with my lawyer and yeah. we were discussing this concept and I said because in, in my personal case, what happened in my and I said, how mm-hmm. can a lawyer with massive conflicts of interest assess yes. a person? And what they're doing here is lawyers are visiting dying people as they're dying, ticking right. mm-hmm. off the box saying they have capacity and they're changing their wills yep. as they're dying. Yeah. Oh, wow. Anyone who changes a will True. a few months or weeks before a person mm-hmm. dies, often they're medicated and they're delirious, mm-hmm. and depending on the illness, obviously. Anyone who changes a will, as far as I'm concerned, that's a criminal act. These people should not be changing or signing any legal documents, but lawyers have that power. Mm. Yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah, that's great. I, I wish it, you would make people more aware of that because I... I I found out about it only through my do- my daughter, who was so upset because she was seeing these doctors flooding these um, these convalescent homes, and the patient mm-hmm. too sick, the family too distressed, and nobody was asking what their doctorate was in, and they could be so bold as to bar- park in the spaces for. Uh, doctors, that's why a lot of times you'll see it now say physician-only parking, which means your JDs are not supposed to park there. Oh, they're such jerks. They park up front. The reason, like, that parking up front is so the doctor can get out and handle the medical emergency. Oh, my gosh, these lawyers think they're of emergency. Um, They're just so disgusting. You know, we just have a few minutes left. Thank you so much. I have a... Oh, go ahead, Marcel. No, no, no. I was saying bye. I'll get off the phone. I was hogging it. I have so many people on the line, and we've got international. I I think it's delay. It's delaying. We're so excited. Anyway, Marcel, you got to hear who we're going to have for our guest next week. I'm going to announce it now. And as we talk about wanting to get our message out, this guest that we have next week is just the person that we want to be connected with. The book that she recently wrote on guardianship, she spent eight years researching it. I did buy the book, and I did not see Mm. anything on the international issue, just the United States. So hopefully if she is able to take some questions, you guys should definitely call in and let yourself be known. But we will be having next week – investigative journalist, 
I grew up watching her on television. My husband is like, oh, my gosh, cause. But we are having Diane Diamond on the show next week. And she has recently oh written an amazing book, yeah, on guardianship. And there's mm-hmm. so many. I almost know everybody in the book. We're also going to be having Elaine Mickman of Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, joining us. And Elaine Mickman is actually featured in the book. So we're so excited. That will probably be the last show of the year. And when I think about it, and we started the year out with our beautiful Marty, January. Marty was with us. We had her for almost four months for the beginning of this year to be on these shows. And to end the year that Marty was in with such with such a guest that really can sound the alarm for all of us in investigative journals. She used to be a co-anchor with Geraldo Rivera. Oh, and wow. No yes. Yes. She, yes. So she knows people. And the fact that she knows all these stories and she spent eight years doing the research and she's recently, the book released in October and She's been so sweet sending me emails, and she's just thrilled to come on the show where really I'm just like, oh, my gosh, it's Diane Diamond. So, wow, I know Marty would just be getting a kick out of this. She would be so excited that um, an investigative journalist at the caliber of Diane Diamond would come Mm -hmm. on this Mm -hmm. show and talk about Mm -hmm. guardianship. And the one thing that I take away from this and the fact that she wrote the book is she believes us. And that's a big yeah. deal to have someone yeah. that well connected. She believes us, and yeah. I hope that I did send I did send her a list of our sponsors. And of course, um, let's mention them real quick. In the last few minutes, our sponsors are the Australian Association to Stop Guardianship and Administrative Abuse, and that is Chris and Matilda. They are on here today representing ASCA. And you can find their website at aasgaa.org. In the United States, you can find NASGA, the National Association of Stop Guardianship Abuse, at stopguardianshipabuse.org. We also have our big sponsor, Marcel Reed, and the Whistleblower Summit. And we had Marcel on mm-hmm. today. And the other sponsor is Shenanigans in the Montgomery County Facebook page. So everyone should go over there and like that Facebook page. And watch some of those YouTube videos that are complete with court um, documents that are posted there. It's a very, very um, informative page. But thank you so much, everyone, for coming on. This has been a great show. We've had a great audience. Thank you, thank you, thank you. you. I, I hope that the weather is not going to be too rough on you over there in Australia and you survived the storm. I'm glad you were able to get in. And thank you, Marcel, for joining you are always so amazing, Absolutely. and I am always I am in awe of all of you amazing women, and just so humbled and honored to be here with you all. And it looks like we're about to end the show. Good night, everyone. Thank you. Good night. Happy holidays. Do you feel it? Holiday season is here. Festive lights, cozy weather, celebrations. Don't worry about missing out on any festivities. Plan ahead and get the symptom relief you need this season by stocking up the old medicine cabinet with Mucinex, the number one brand doctors trust for cough and cold. Do not let a cold get in the way of your day. 
Be prepared with Mucinex. With Mucinex, it's not cold and flu season. It's comeback season. Use as directed. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.